Well, Christmas is in the air. I was walking in this morning and I heard about three or four different people talking about different things involving Christmas, planning parties, putting up their nativity. Just right now as we're talking, now, uh, the Sunday school kids are practicing their Christmas music for our Christmas program coming up. Uh, and so with that in mind, I was really excited to be able to kick off our Christmas series. You guys know me, I'm very nostalgic. I really like traditions and, and anything involving families and friends and those kind of things. So for me to be able to kick this off, uh, I was excited just to be able to share some Christmas thoughts. And so for me, talking about Christmas tradition, I was telling my kids yesterday about some of the traditions we had with our church. I'm here with my church this morning. One of the things I looked forward to every year was that our church, we had our own building, and so every year they'd get everybody in the church together, and we'd decorate the, we'd decorate the church for Christmas. And I love it. As a kid, I look forward to that every year. Everybody would be together, we'd be singing songs, eating Christmas cookies, drinking hot chocolate, and decorating the church. We could try to do that here. I don't think the school would be very happy. <laughs> uh, but maybe eventually with a building, that's something we could do. Another thing we got to do is do Christmas caroling. I know that's something that Kyle would really love to do. Uh, but our church, every year, every year, we would get on a hay rack, have a hay rack ride, go through town, and most of our church would be there going door to door singing Christmas carols. And I love that. Um, my family had traditions where we loved Christmas music so much, and all the kids wanted to get it kicked off real early in November, but we had to wait till after Thanksgiving before we could start singing Christmas songs. As soon as that happened, it was 24-7 nonstop, but we could not start it until the day after Thanksgiving. My parents made us every Christmas Eve at our Christmas Eve service sing as a family, like the Von Trapps. We had to sing a Christmas song. And so this would traditionally be the biggest fight of the year in our house. Because I'm the oldest of seven, and so that's gathering seven kids, mom and dad, and trying to figure out a song to sing, bring in everybody, here's your part, here's your part, who's playing what instrument. It was a big fight every year. That was one of our biggest Christmas traditions is Christmas Eve service. Actually, on the way over here, I'm listening to a song, and I said, hey, this could be the song we sing for our Christmas Eve service at mom and dad's this year. And Kara said, don't even start. Don't even start with that. I love Christmas because I love families getting together and friends getting together. Uh, being from a big family, we're kind of spread out. My sister actually is uh, in Haiti. You guys know that. She's flying in Thursday into Des Moines to come here for Colin's birthday this weekend. And she's really excited to be with the family for Christmas. Um, and, and, and again, coming back to the, just doing the things with the church and the friends and being able to be a part. So I felt like I had a pretty good perspective on Christmas. On the other hand, my wife knows this about me. I have some pet peeves about Christmas, too. I, I really hate commercialism. I really do. As I've gotten older, I've become a big Scrooge about Christmas presents. I, I will try to stay away from the mall at all costs this time of year. Because if you want to see the opposite of Christmas spirit, the opposite of joy in the Lord, go to the mall. Because you're going to get yelled at and people are going to take your parking spots and you're going to be honked at and it's going to be crowded and people are not there in Christmas spirit. They're just there to buy as much as they can because their kids won't stop asking for presents, right? 
And so I hate that part of it. So in my opinion, as I'm talking and, and kicking off a series on Christmas, I prided myself on having a pretty good perspective on Christmas. Commercialism bad. Baby Jesus good. Right? That was my opinion. And so, for years, you know, Tim, you've got a pretty good perspective on Christmas. You know what it's about. So I was really excited to open the passage and look at what I was going to be talking about for you guys. Yeah, what, what good Christmas series do I get to kick off and talk about the baby Jesus and all these things? And so I, I got my passage that I was going to be speaking on, and I, I read these verses. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. All right, what's my Christmas message? So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Hmm. Okay. Seriously? Where's my baby Jesus story? He'll crush his heel. Where's my Christmas story that I get to talk about? I just was taken back a little bit. And so what I had to do is I had to dig into this and realize that when we sit back and we think we've got a really good perspective on what Christmas is really about, I think mine is a bit skewed. Because I'm still focused on the manger and the angels and the wise men and the star, and all these things that we know as the, the story of Christmas. But I forget some things that make it most important. And so what we're doing this Christmas is we're having a series on Christmas prophecies. And so what we get to do is see the foretelling of the promise of Christ. And so as I dug into this, I really understood that I was missing it. It's not just commercialism bad baby Jesus good, there's a lot more to it. So you guys have your Bibles open, turn to Genesis chapter 3. And we'll start at verse 1, we'll set up the story here. This is a very familiar story, I think every, probably every single one of us has heard this many times. Now the serpent, this is verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals and the Lord God had made uh, then the Lord God had made he said to the woman did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden the woman said to the serpent we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die you surely will not die the serpent said to the woman for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord, uh, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. 
And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Classic man, right? Blaming the woman. Right there. Uh, then, he, then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So, we know what's going on here. Creation's just happened. Man and woman have been created. And everything's perfect. Perfection. And they're walking in the most beautiful place. And the serpent comes along and he, he deceives the woman and she eats of the fruit and then Eve goes and tells Adam and he doesn't really argue with her. He just takes it and he eats it. Um, and then we have the first sin. Sin has entered the world. It's the fall of man right there. They had perfection, and then instantly, that's all gone. What's cool about this story is that when you look at as soon as sin enters the world and the fall of man, God has an answer. As soon as that happens, God has an answer. Let's read back through this, starting in verse 11. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So immediately they feel the shame for the first time. They feel that nakedness. They know that they need to be covered, and they want to hide from God. Well, we've been there. When we feel our shame and our sin, we don't want to come before God. And so, so God's trying to reach out to them and He sees that they've committed the sin. And what He offers them is the first promise of salvation. The very first promise of salvation is what we're looking at. And this is His prophecy. Because you, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So here's the prophecy. Here's the first promise of salvation. He's not truly saying that for the rest of our lives, women will have a battle with snakes. We know women don't like snakes. So, you know... That makes sense, but that's not what he's saying. Who's the serpent that he's prophesying about? Who's he talking to? Who is it? Satan. And who is the offspring of the woman? Who is he that will crush the head of the serpent? Who is he talking about? What's that? Jesus. Jesus Christ. What's so cool, if you look in Luke chapter 3, and you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, you can trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. The offspring of the woman. True flesh and blood. God's first promise of salvation right there. Instantly, as soon as there's sin in the world, as soon as Satan feels like he's got a foothold, 
doesn't last long. Because God comes in with His first promise of salvation. There, there the line is drawn between good and evil right there. Sin enters the world. We have good and evil. We've got the battle between Satan and Jesus Christ. And God makes the promise. He, will, he does say that, that the serpent will strike the heel. But what does He promise about the offspring of the woman? What does He promise about Jesus Christ? He will crush the head. Our first promise of salvation. I want you guys to turn with me to Romans. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that come by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where, sins, uh, where, where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Through Adam and Eve's sin, there's the fall of man. And what came from that? We're all condemned. We're all sinners. We're lost. But from the very first man and woman, Adam and Eve, God had a promise that through one man, we'd have salvation. That there is an answer to us being condemned and being lost. This is so significant to us and so overlooked this time of year. Again, I look at a baby in a manger, and I think it's pretty cool that we get to celebrate a birthday. And I talk to my son, Colin, I say, Hey, what's Christmas about? And he says, the baby Jesus. And we do cool calendars counting up to the birth of Christ. And some people bake you know, birthday cakes for Jesus and we sing happy birthday to him. Um, some people even give, give gifts to Jesus. But I think this time of year, because of everything else going on, and a lot of it's good, and some of it's bad, we really miss the significance of what is taking place the birth of Jesus Christ. 
Through one man we're all condemned, but through one man, born of a virgin, we have salvation. That promise that was made clear back at the very first sin. And so, as we look this time of year at what we want to do for Christmas, what I'm trying to pass on to my kids every year is that this is so much bigger than just a baby in a manger and the angels and the star and the wise men. I mean, that's a cool part of the story, and that's something we should read every year. But the significance is that salvation comes from that child. That our hope was born when Christ was born. Our answer. The the flesh and blood that would crush Satan on our behalf was born. Let's turn to, to Luke. I will get the Christmas story in here a little bit. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the uh, fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. That is the coolest thing that we can possibly celebrate this Christmas. Not just a baby in a manger, our hope of salvation. The fact that when sin entered the world, we are condemned to die, and now we have an answer. There will be suffering, but Jesus Christ will crush the serpent's head. He does not have an answer for our Savior. He does not have an answer. And so, a challenge for you guys this year, or this Christmas time, as we go through this series, will be to really put it in perspective. Not just commercialism bad, baby Jesus good, but to really look at it in your own life, with your spouse, with your kids, as you look at the Christmas story, and you look at what, what happened when baby Jesus was born. When he came out of that, that womb, we had hope. A prophecy was being fulfilled and continued. It's so cool, and we overlook it every year. I do not get down to the nitty-gritty with my boy and say, this is what's really going on. The presents are fun. The family's good. But 
our hope of salvation was born that day. Satan's power over us was going to be gone because God continued to fulfill His promises to us. And so when I go back now and I say, you know, what's the cool Christmas story I get to tell? And then I read about the serpent and I'm taken aback. Now I have a better understanding of what we're really talking about. And those guys that put this series together and, and kicked it off with this one were smarter than I. <laughs> because they were telling about the problem. We were lost. So why did we need a Savior born that day? Why did we need it? Why did this have to happen? Because we had no other way out, so God gave us that promise of salvation. My perspective has changed just through studying this. In a familiar passage to us all, maybe never tied it together with Christmas. I obviously never did. <laughs> but my perspective has changed. And so that's what I want us to do this Christmas time, is, is help change our perspectives to what it's really about. I mean, the other stuff's going to be fun, and we can still do it. But we want to know what we're really here for, why we really celebrate this. And we want our kids to know that. We want our friends to know that. We want this to be more important. And so we have to take time to really look at that. And part of it is studying Scripture and really looking into these stories like we are today. Um, part of it is sitting back and really looking at our salvation and why we're grateful that God chose to make a promise from the very beginning of time that we would have a way out, that our sin would be, would be covered. So that's a fun thing to get a kick off the Christmas series with. You know, I confess any negativity I had about this passage because what a way to kick off the Christmas series is knowing that we were lost and now we have a way out. Take it a step further as we get ready to take communion. And that's the fun thing about what we do on Sunday mornings here is that we get to talk about Christ, what He's done for us, and we get to respond. If we go a little further here in Genesis chapter 3, there's a really cool picture of Jesus Christ. So turn yourselves back to Genesis chapter 3. We'll start in verse 16, just after that prophecy. Sorry ladies, I've got to read this part. I try to avoid it sometimes, but... To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. Amy, try to ignore this right now, okay? <laughs> With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Uh, cursed is the ground because of you. Through the painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from, from it you were taken. From dust you are, and, the, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So, still what we have there is Adam and Eve feeling shame and nakedness, and they tried to put together this garment of fig leaves, and obviously, if you've ever tried to put it, 
none of us have tried to do this, but if we tried to put fig leaves together to cover our nakedness, it wouldn't work very well. And so we have Adam and Eve experience sin and shame for the first time. And God makes this promise to them, but then what does He do? He makes a sacrifice for them to cover their shame. He goes and He takes the animals and He sacrifices the animals and He gives them the skin of the animals and He creates a garment for them to cover their shame. What a picture of Jesus Christ. He saw their pain, their shame. He made a sacrifice and He covered it. That's what He does for us. He saw, he, God saw our shame and our pain and knew we had no way out. No way to cover that ourselves. We could try all we wanted. We could tie together anything we thought was possible to try to make ourselves feel better. But the only way to cover our shame was a sacrifice. It was that baby boy that was born years ago would be our sacrifice. God knew the ultimate sacrifice for us to cover our shame was Jesus Christ. That's what we get to come here to do today is praise a Savior because of a sacrifice that was made on our behalf. He took our sin and shame on that cross, the weight of the world, and that sacrifice was made and He defeated sin and death and our shame has been covered. Our nakedness has been covered because we couldn't do it ourselves. It's awesome. What a picture of Jesus Christ right there. And so as we become, as we come before Christ this morning, and as we look at this Christmas season and then beyond, let's find that perspective. Let's look to Christ. Let's forget about all our own shortcomings and failures and bring them before Jesus Christ and look to the cross and that sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Jesus, I just thank You so much for, for what You do for us, Lord, and, and that we have this time of year to spend with friend, friends and family, Lord, but I pray and I thank You for what You've done for us, Lord. And I just thank You so much for salvation. I thank You that that sacrifice was made on our behalf, Lord. And so as we look at that and we think about that and we try to find that perspective of what Christmas really is about, Lord Jesus, I just pray that You'd help us. You'd open our eyes and our hearts to see what You've really done for us, Lord. And that would, that would overwhelm, us with, uh, overwhelm us with joy this year, Lord Jesus. And so I thank You once again. And as we come before and take the bread and the cup, Lord Jesus, that we would find, find that perspective in You, Lord. And that we'd be so grateful for those sacrifices made. The blood shed and the body broken on our behalf, Lord Jesus. And as we we sing and we pray and we talk to You, Lord, and we look at the cross, that we'd be so overwhelmed by Your gift for us. And I thank You again, and I love You, and I praise You in Your name. Amen. So now we have another opportunity. I want to encourage you guys, as, as I love being with family, this is my family right here. I would encourage you to get out tonight and continue singing praises and finding that perspective in Jesus Christ tonight at the gathering. I know my own perspective for that has been skewed as well, because you feel like it's the end of the week.
before we're starting our new week at school and kids going back and going back to work. And so it's hard to end the week that way. But why not think of it, why would we not want to kick off our week that way? Together, praising God. Let's kick off our week as a family, singing praises to our Savior before we go throughout the week. So that's the challenge tonight. As many of you that can be there, I just told my wife we're going. <laughs> let's go as a family and let's keep singing these praises. And let's kick off our week with setting that perspective of praising our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, we'll see you later.